open our Bibles while you're standing to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. I, Brother Max, I appreciate what you said. I don't know, I at least don't remember having heard that. Revival is like falling in love with Jesus all over again. You know, if, if you've been married for any length of time, you know that marriage can get stagnant sometimes. And it should not. It should not. But it can. And you, just, you have some times when you just, you just need to work on reviving them flames. Thank you, Brother Pablo. <laughs> Man, stir it up. This is good to be married to you. Those of you who don't know, I am married to her. There's nothing weird going on. <laughs> okay, I don't even know. Don't want to know. And we have opportunity. We can, just like, just like a, a man can take his wife for granted, or vice versa, we can take our Savior for granted. Like, why do I need, to, why do I need four days in a row of preaching because you need four days in a row of preaching. I mean, it's just it's good for us. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. appreciate Brother Max's encouragement with that. Proverbs 14.4, just doing some miscellaneous messages on Sunday morning until um, I'm ready to start a new series. Uh, so Proverbs 14.4, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox, of the ox. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. The title is this, Muscle and Messes. Muscle and Messes. I want to pray with you, and then you can be seated, and Andrea will sing. Father, thank you for the time and I, I love the different aspects of our services, Lord. And, and just within like an hour, hour and 15 minutes, the, the worship, the praise, the interaction, the giving, Lord, now the, the preaching, I'm just, I'm so thankful for it. And, and our greatest desire is that you would be involved in it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning and that you would help us in our relationship with you and help us in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. At this time, Andrea will sing a song called Speak, O Lord.
a sobering thought that it's not because I am just a dude I'm just a dude but this is timeless and he wants to talk it's good for us to listen when he does Proverbs 14 verse number 4 where no oxen are the crib is clean but much increases by the strength of the ox ox as you well know are large male cattle. They're very strong. And uh, I read that they're not usually given the official designation of ox or oxen until they're fully trained and responses, responsive to the commands of the, the one that has them hitched up to the plow or the wagon. But they're used for pulling large and heavy loads or for pulling a plow to break up the ground. Compared to horses, they're considered to have advantages in certain areas. They can pull heavier loads, and they can pull for longer periods of time. They're considered also to be steadier, uh, more predictable, far less antsy or excitable. And they're considered to be more suitable for plowing or breaking up sod in clay or extremely muddy conditions. In Bible times, when this would have been written, and then even in certain parts of the world still today, oxen are considered essential 
to agricultural productivity. Without their strength, you're out there digging up dirt by hand. Uh, some of you, you have gardens and you have tillers. I decided one time to do a garden because my mom, we were raised around gardens, large, obnoxious gardens full of green beans that we had to weed and pick. And so I decided one day I'd be good to do a garden, but I don't have a tiller. What do I use? My hands. And that lasted about 30 minutes. I don't really need a garden that bad <laughs> because this is hard and I have air conditioning <laughs> and that would be way more productive. <laughs> and that would, the battle would be in, in, agri, in, in these ancient times where agriculture, agriculture was dependent upon physical force, not machinery then either you provided the strength or you had livestock that provided the strength. And without oxen that were trained, that could follow commands and that had consistent, steady strength to be able to pull a heavy plow through very rocky and sometimes very hard soil, then you weren't going to have crops. You weren't going to have to lay up in store for the next year to plant. You weren't going to have, your, have to feed your family for that current time, you were the oxen were essential to agricultural productivity. That's why the text says much increase is by the strength of the ox. Obviously, a lot of credit would go to the intelligence and the planning and the work ethic of the farmer. But even the farmer would recognize his limitations and say, yeah, I, I, I have an understanding of how planting and harvesting and sowing and reaping works. I have an understanding of how the, when the right time to plant is and the right crops in these fields. I have an understanding of all those things. But my strength is not enough to prepare the field. And I recognize, even as a farmer with intelligence, even as a farmer that has the ability to understand certain processes, I recognize that I benefit greatly from the strength of the ox. That if I didn't have these oxen that I could hook up to this plow and that could pull for hours and hours and days and days and they could steadily break up this ground to make it possible for the seed to grow, I understand there wouldn't be increase because my intelligence and my ability is not enough to produce agricultural success. I need these oxen to make the ground ready so that the seed can then be planted and harvested. Oxen would even help in the threshing process, separating the wheat from the chaff, and they'd stomp it out. Their strength, their muscle, brought much increase. As you know, oxen are big, and as big animals are wont to do, they leave large evidences of their presence. That was discreet. <laughs> I wrote it a different way, and then I thought, I need to work on that. <laughs> they leave large evidences of their pres presence. I grew up in the country in Louisiana. We had a small, <laughs> we had a small farm, and uh, my dad and mom would, uh, uh, for a time, they raised weaned Holstein calves get some in and bottle feed them, and then after they were weaned, they'd ship them out. 
And it, we had a couple of pigs that I hated because they bit me. We had chickens. We had some horses. We had a Shetland pony that was just dumb and really did not deserve to live. Um, uh, we had my favorite horse, Lady Blaze. She was beautiful and wonderful and just a dream of a horse. Had all kinds of dogs. And then we, we, had, a, we had a steer named Beef, and we loved him a lot, and we ate him, and that was, that was a blessing. Um, it was a real farm. Some of this is hard for y'all. y'all. Y'all think farms are something you see on a Disney movie, and it's not, as I'm about to tell you. Um, and then we had this milk cow. She didn't... I don't know if she had a name or not, but she was the cow that my dad milked every day. I, one morning, about five, something like that, I, I wanted to get up and go help my dad milk the cow. And it was in the winter, a little bit of frost on the ground. The, the cattle trough had frozen over just a little bit, not thick. And, uh, I, and I had my Wranglers on and my boots, and my hands were jammed down in my pockets because they were so cold. But the pockets were so tight, you couldn't get the hands out. So I run out to see my dad, and uh, I get into the cow lot where he's working, and I trip over a root. And I can't get my hands out. And uh, as large bovine are wont to do, she had done earlier that morning, and I think, I think what she did, I think, I think she anticipated, I think she had a vision, like a prophecy or something, um, and, and she anticipated that I was going to be out there, and I think she measured out my height, because my face hit that. Hands stuck in the pocket, can't get them out, and I am laying I am laying in it. Well, you know, I'm five. I'm traumatized. This, this is kind of a weird situation for me to be in. And so it's not like I have the common sense to roll over or something. I'm just yelling. <laughs> I mean, I'll let you figure out what happened there. And well, my dad, my dad was really gracious. He was, he was very thoughtful and kind. He comes up and grabs me by the back of my pants, and that cattle trough with the very thin layer of ice, he just drops my head through it and sloshes it around. So if you wonder why I have issues, I grew up on a farm in Louisiana. (laughs) Stuff happened to me that was traumatic. You know what what we didn't do after that? We We didn't say about that, how'd that get there? What in the world is that doing in our cow lot? Part of having cows. Part of having livestock. When you have oxen, the barns will smell like oxen live there. The barn floors will bear the many marks of oxen living there. Get this. The strength of the ox produces much. But oxen aren't just really strong. Sometimes they can be messy as well. So Solomon poses this contrast. He says in verse number four, no oxen, you have a clean crib. Now he's not talking about your uh, gangster and his house. He's talking about a barn. Okay, a couple of y'all got that. Sorry, I just thought I, I, put, I put that in there and thought this will be funny. <laughs> Apparently not. 
Man, y'all need to check out my crib. It's clean. No, no. He's talking about a barn. You don't have any oxen in there. You can come in and you're like, man, this, you'd say, this barn is immaculate. This barn is pristine. This barn smells so barny with none of that nasty cow smell. You're right. But you know what else you don't have here? You don't have any crops. And you can enjoy that nice clean barn, but your children are going to starve. You're not going to be able to make the payments that you owe on this land. You're not going to be able to reproduce for the next year. Enjoy the clean barn, but you don't have any strength. You say, well, man, you come into a barn where the oxen are, and you're like, wow, this is kind of smelly. And this is kind of stinky, and I, it, this isn't a place I want to spend a lot of time, and I, I want to hang out. But you know what else you notice? You notice that the, the crops are coming in, and that there's an abundance, and you're concerned about certain things, and the smell certainly isn't wonderful, but you don't have to worry about food being on the table for your children. And you're able to lay up in store. You're able to provide, not just for you, but for those who are going through some difficulty, because you know of some people who are in need, and because of the strength of your oxen and the diligence in using them and dealing with the mess that they make, you have been able to produce much, much increase is by the strength of the ox. You can have a pristine barn or you can have a productive farm. You can't benefit from the muscle, however, unless you learn how to deal with the mess. You only benefit from the muscle if you learn how to deal with the mess. Let me give you some statements, and then I'll give you the statement. To benefit from the muscle of the ox, you have to deal with the mess of the ox. To benefit from the strength of the ox, you have to put up with the stink of the ox. Let me consolidate it into six words. The strength is worth the stank. The strength of the ox and how you benefit is worth the stink of the ox. Strength is worth the stink. Let's talk about us. Now, you could go all over the place with this. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but God has given you some oxen in your life. What you talking about? God has placed people in your life for your good. Now sometimes we get this idea that I would just rather not be around people and I would rather just not have to deal with anybody and I just don't want to have to interact and this person, they get on my nerves for this reason and this person, they get on my nerves for this reason and we never think about how we might get on other people's nerves. It's just how everybody gets on our nerves and this person doesn't do this the way that I want and this person, I don't really agree with their opinion on this and, we, and, and even in our nation, we are increasingly being programmed and being taught and even having these inclinations to isolate ourselves constantly from one another. But God didn't create us to be like that. He created us as people. I told the, told the cashier at Hobby Lobby a couple of days ago, Andrea and I were there and it, getting something, some stuff and told, obviously we were getting some stuff. We weren't robbing the place, so we're buying some stuff 
too many details, and I'm talking to the cashier, and, and I just made this statement to her. People are God's favorite resource. She's talking about how busy it is and how many people are coming in and how she enjoyed that. And I was just trying to encourage her. People are God's favorite resource. It's not the water. It's not the air. It's not the rocks. It's not the sun or the moon or the stars. God's favorite resource are people. And he created you. And he created you to need people. And he created you to benefit from people. He also created you to be a benefit to people. God uses people in your life to produce his good. I like this phrase, much increase. God puts people in your life to bring bring about much increase, to bring about divine increase in your life. Here's the challenge. The people God uses to produce much good in your life will not be perfect. People are like oxen here in two ways. Number one, they're very productive in your life. But number two, they also make messes. No matter how productive people are that God places in your life, they will at time leave messes. Now please understand that some messes are bigger than others. And when we're talking about messes, we aren't talking about catastrophic sin or failure that has to be uniquely dealt with. I'm thankful. of God and all of that but I'm not and while those those can be factored into this those aren't the things I'm primarily dealing with I'm primarily talking about the imperfections that every person is prone to so this morning some of us have it possibly have this in our mind that I'm pretty well good like I am and if you ask me about flaws of everybody else, I can give you a long and thorough list. But you ask me about my flaws, I kind of hesitate because there really aren't that many in my estimation. And that's the attitude that some believers, now I'm not talking about people in the world, some believers have. Now I got a laundry list of things they need to do differently. You're talking about me, and eh, I don't really know, can't program the possibility that I might be flawed. And yet we all are, aren't we? Like oxen, we all leave messes. Like oxen, there are some times when we don't do the right thing. Like oxen, there are times when, if I can say it this way, enjoy the humor, but get get the importance of it. Sometimes our attitude can just stink. God places people in your life that are like oxen. God puts them there for the sake of your productivity, but they're not perfect. Let me talk through that list with you. We start here at church. God gives you a pastor. Every week he tries to hook himself up to a plow. He battles doubts, criticisms, critiques, opinions. He battles his own flesh. But week after week after week, He consistently, by the grace of God, hooks himself up to a plow through praying and through studying, through ministering and through preaching. 
And whether no one's here because of COVID and everyone's watching online or some people are watching online and the house is full, whatever it is, it doesn't matter how many people are in attendance or how many people are watching. He just keeps plowing ahead if he's trying to be the right kind of ox. (laughs) Because he understands, and ox understands this, real life. I'm just an ox that has been given life and opportunity and a specific purpose. And a pastor understands, I don't exist and I don't have this role for my glory or my pleasure, but God put me in this position for his purpose and for the benefit of his people. And so he consistently humbles himself, or he's supposed to, and just hooks up to that plow. You know what, sometimes the ground's hard. What are you talking about? Make me happy. Sometimes the ground's soft. Man, someday you can ask preachers this. Sometimes it's like you're preaching against a brick wall. Sometimes it's like you're trying to pull that plow through a boulder. Sometimes, man, it seems like the spirit is working and people are responsive and they're engaged and they're tuned in and they're trying to hear from God. And it's just like pulling through soft, nutrient-rich dirt. But regardless of the condition of the soil, you just keep pulling the plow. When you have a pastor who tries to faithfully plow, you benefit from it. Your walk with God is better for it. Your family is better for it. Your marriage can be better for it. Your children can be better for it. No, your children benefit from having a pastor that consistently plows. And your work ethic can benefit from it. Your business can benefit from it. Your habits can benefit from it. Your attitude can benefit from it. Your victories, your personal victories can be helped when you have a pastor that plows the word of God over and over and over. But there's a challenge. No pastor is perfect. In fact, you hang out with any pastor for any length of time, and you figure this out really quick. They don't say everything right all the time. They miss stuff. They can sometimes have a bad attitude. They can be distracted or feel overwhelmed. They can make no... Not that they can, they will make decisions that you don't necessarily agree with. There are no mess-free oxen. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was an ox that did not need an active digestive system? (laughs) I don't have to feed you. I don't have to clean up after you. You just have to work for me. Wouldn't that be awesome? Doesn't exist. There's no mess-free oxen. There's no mess-free pastor. There's not a perfect pastor. But just because there are messes at times doesn't mean there's not benefit to the plowing that's going on. The strength is worth the stank. Let me talk about our church. This one is personal. People are messy, have needs, they have problems, they have trials, they get hurt and they hurt you, they don't do everything right. It's amazing how many weird ideas people can have 
how many crazy expectations people can have, how many bad attitudes people can have, how many tears people can cry. People are messy, but God loves them. God loves people. You say, what's God interested in? People. Jesus died for people. Jesus didn't die to save the environment because he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus died for people. In all of their messes, Jesus never ran from a single mess. Whether it was the woman who had been caught in adultery by the religious leaders or the woman at the well who had five husbands and was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Whether it was the tax collector who cheated people out of their finances. Whether it was the leper that no one wanted anything to do with or the blind and the poor that no one had time for or the ability to help. Jesus never ran from a mess. West Valley Baptist Church won't run from messes. What do you expect? Who do you expect to come here? People to come in with everything figured out. People to come in here that never have a problem. People to come in here that never have a battle. People that come in here that never do anything wrong. People that come in here that check all your preference rule book and know exactly how everything's supposed to work. This world is full of hurting people that need a savior. And sometimes they bring their messes with them. And you know what I say? The cross is enough to take care of any mess. People are worth the mess. This isn't perfect. Man, that our steer, the Hereford steer, named Beef. We named him Beef <laughs> because it was what was for dinner. <laughs> you know what we're saying when we're there eating beef? <laughs> it's worth the mess. He got out one time. My mom, my dad warned my Yankee mom. She's from Boston area, Brother Dave, and she knew nothing about farming. Oh, good night. And my dad told her, this is not a pet. Don't treat this thing like a pet. But she's out there loving on that calf. We have pictures of us sitting on that thing when he weighed like a thousand pounds. Just so gentle. And then one day he got out and wanted to play tore the garden up chasing my mom around that garden. Every bite she would take, she'd be like, that's for the garden beef. <laughs> you see people get saved. You see marriages be helped. I watch moms and dads walking their children into or walking their children out of junior church. I see people coming in Standing up from this altar, I see people going and getting help. I see people being encouraged. I see people developing relationships that help them. And this is what I say, there's messes sometimes, but it's worth the mess. Marriage can be messy. Especially in the case of husbands, marriage can stink. <laughs> Man, my husband isn't always sensitive to my emotions. Nope. <laughs> my husband isn't always conscious about the landing spot of his socks. Probably. 
But in a lot of cases, you know what your husband does? He does love the Lord. And he's trying to walk with God. And he loves his family enough to go work and to labor and to pour himself into some kind of physical or mental labor for the purpose of providing for his family. And he's not perfect, and he has flaws, and his attitude isn't always right, and he can get distracted. But wives, when you have a husband that loves God, and though imperfect, is still trying to do the right thing, and when he's wrong, he's trying to make it right, and he's trying to be everything that God wants him to be. I understand, ladies, that the barn can get messy sometimes, but a godly husband is worth the mess. We, yeah, I, I know this isn't the most exciting point, but we're living in a culture that complete, wants to completely undermine godly masculinity and turn it, into, turn it into something that is only toxic. Masculinity is not toxic. It is strong. It is powerful. It is meant to provide and to protect and to lead and to guide and to help and to heal and to fight for something good. It's not toxic, but it can get messy sometimes. Husbands, I understand your wife feels things, and she might as well be talking about the planet Pluto because you have no idea what's going on. And only a couple of you are honest enough to look at me and nod right there. Everybody else is like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> like, huh, babe, babe, he wasn't talking about you. I'm in tune. Okay. <laughs> think about my wife. And I think about your wives. They stick with you when you have a bad attitude. In some cases, raised children in, in obscurity. They come alongside and labor with you. Encourage you when you're down. Forgive you when you mess up. I just want to say, I understand there's emotion. I understand there is no wife that is perfect. And I understand there is no wife that does every single thing right. I just want to say, you have a wife that's trying to follow Jesus Christ. That's worth the mess. I think about our children. And over here we have a bunch of boys who need to learn how to use deodorant and stop picking their nose. And... Over here, we have girls that can go from laughing to crying in like 2.7 seconds, and you have no idea what's going on. And over here, you have this mushroom cloud of stinkiness and absolute sometimes nonsense. It's like, what were you thinking? Oh, wait, that's right. You weren't thinking because you're like your father. And then over here, it's just drama, and it's like, get over it for crying out loud. But, but one day, when, one day, one day, this, this voice will lie silent in the grave. One day, this body 
will be dead. One day, please hear me. One day, I will no longer have the strength to plow like an ox. One day, it won't be Brother Max standing up here. One day, it won't be Miss Rebecca playing at that piano. One day, it won't be Brother Patrick back there in the sound. One day, it won't be the, 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 the Madas and the Acostas, I think, are back there working in the junior church. One day, it won't be Miss Joanna and Miss Angela doing Patch and Pee Wee, which we're going to be starting up again. Or Miss Tammy, when, if the, as the Lord brings her back. It won't be those people. One day it's going to have to be someone else. You know who it's going to be? It's going to be these stinky boys and these overly dramatic girls. Yeah, I said it. Not sorry for it either. It's all true. Hey, mommy, pastor, hurt my feelings. You better tell her to get over it. Because that just proves the point. And start wearing some deodorant for crying out loud. <sighs> Think about what Psalm says about children. Children are like arrows in the hand of a mighty man. There is a spiritual warfare going on, and every time one of these young men or you, one of these young women like the song says, decides to follow Jesus. That's an arrow that's being shot. And the work is going to be carried on. You say, man, raising kids can be hard and it can be messy. It is. True story. But it's worth the mess. The strength is worth the stink. You can only benefit from the muscle if you learn how to deal with the mess. So here's the question. Stay with me. If much increase is by the strength of the ox, how do you deal with the mess? I have an illustration. Have you ever mucked a stall? You don't do it in dress shoes. And you normally don't wear socks like this. <laughs> Man, I love these patterns. <laughs> it's me just fine. I used to work on a pig farm. We had muck boots, rubber boots. They weren't the most comfortable things, but you know what they did? They kept the mess off my feet. Walked through all kinds of stuff, and I was good. We had, to clean out the, we had to clean out the pens, I mean, every day. And then my, one of my main, and, and when I say a pig farm, I'm not talking about a couple pigs. I'm talking like ours was a small farm, and we had around five, 6,000 pigs. I'm talking about lots of pigs and lots of mess. And every day I'm cleaning up messy rooms. Got boots on, keeps it off of me. And then you have shovels, not exactly like this for pig farms, but if you muck a stall with cattle or you muck a stall with horses, you have some kind of shovel and you scoop it out. You know what you're doing? You're dealing with the mess. You know what we're going to call these boots? We're going to call these boots grace. You know what God gives you in your life? He gives you grace. He commands you to live in it. He commands you to walk in it. And he commands you to deal with people in it. And as you go through life, you will experience the people that God places in your life 
to be a blessing and to be productive in your life, you're going to notice as you walk through the barns of their life and as you're out in the field of life plowing with them, you're going to notice that there are some messes. And those messes can bother you and those messes can irritate you and those messes can even make you want to leave and go find another field or another barn. I just want to tell you, there's no barn or no field where oxen are that there's not going to be a mess of some kind. You think, well, if it wasn't this person or wasn't that person or wasn't this place or wasn't them, I'm telling you, there can be messes everywhere. So you know what you got to do? You got to put on some boots of grace. You just got to deal with people in grace. It's kind of like Ephesians 4.32 says, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Just deal with people in grace. And you know, it's like, man, that, that got kind of messy today, and I don't really understand this. But you know what? I'm thankful for the grace of God that covers me. I'm thankful for the grace of God that protects me. I'm just going to live in this grace, and I'm going to walk through this and trust him to take care of me. Through, even though this is kind of messy right now, he's going to take care of me. Just deal with people in grace. I like it. How about this? You know what this will represent? Improving. You know what you do with it? You don't actually just chuck it. <laughs> I need to get done, so I'm not going to follow that line of thinking. You usually have a bucket or something, and you put it there, and you get rid of it. And here's the thing. You know what we can do? We can. I, I understand the illustration breaks down a little bit here. But we can all work on cleaning up our own messes, and we can work on helping others clean up their messes. Instead of just griping and complaining at people, we could actually get a shovel, put on some grace, take some initiative, and say, hey, can I help you with that? What, what are you talking about, Pastor? You come home from work, and you're tired, and you want to sit on the couch and drink sweet tea and hear how awesome you are for being out working so hard. But instead, you come home, and you don't find out how awesome you are, and you don't get to drink sweet tea while you're praised on the couch. You find out that you have produced a bunch of terrible children, and it's all your fault, and they're acting just like you. And nothing at home goes the way that it needs to, and it's just pathetic and miserable, and you're the reason why. I'm not saying that by experience. I've just heard. <laughs> I've heard because that sweet lady that sang that amazing song is not capable. <laughs> hey, hey, husbands, you know what you need to do? You need to put on some grace. You're like, man, I'm tired. Well, Jesus was tired when he was carrying that cross. You just need to put on some grace. And then you need to come alongside. And even though your wife is resisting and her attitude is just hard sometimes, just put your arm around her and pull her close. And maybe help her do some dishes. And help the kids get lined up like they need to be. And pour yourself into helping clean up the mess a little bit. It's good. Thank you, Pastor. Yep, that's good. Man, Pastor didn't say something right. He didn't talk to me or he didn't shake my hand or I didn't like this decision. Okay, I, I get it. I do get it because I've been under a pastor. I haven't always been a pastor. In fact, most of my life I've spent being under a pastor. You know what I think though? I try to think this way. Man, I've been a, I, the mess I have to deal with is really small in comparison to the benefit I gain from this pastor. You know what I think I do? I think I'll put on some boots of grace. 
I think I'll get a shovel and I'll get involved in the ministry somewhere. I'll just come along and help. And maybe, maybe I'll just spend a little extra time praying for him this week, that he would humble himself before the Lord and that he would be sensitive to the Lord. You come into church and you see, man, these people, they just, they, they just obviously have messes in their life. Why don't you put on some grace? Why don't you get a shovel? Why don't you invite them out to coffee? Why don't you take them out to dinner? Why don't you try to be their friend? Why don't you write them a note? Why don't you send them an encouraging text? Just get involved and take care of some of the mess in people's lives. Hmm, that's good. Thank you, Pastor. Now, please get, I'm almost done, but I am going to take my time on this part. This is not a license to sin. I just want to be honest. This is a hard statement. Sometimes oxen aren't worth the mess. This is not a freedom from accountability. This is not freedom to never work at getting better. This is not avoiding problems that need to be dealt with. What this is, is an understanding that the benefit of the ox is far greater than the mess of the ox. So let me ask you some questions. Please get these. I'm almost done. Please get these questions. Answer them honestly. Do you struggle with disillusionment? about the people you benefit from. Sometimes our expectations are way up here. And while we need to value people way up here, we also need to understand that they're still people. It's one thing to hold people to a perfect standard. It's another thing to value them greatly. And you can value people while still understanding that they're capable of not being perfect. <laughs> They're capable of making a mess. Do you struggle to deal with people in grace? Do you struggle when someone offends you? Do you struggle when something isn't done exactly the way you want? Do you struggle to just put on the boots and say, I'm going to deal with folks in grace? Do you have a tendency to view your mess differently than you view the messes of others? True, isn't it? Yep. This is what we do. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll admit. I make messes. But this is what you do. My mess isn't as big as their mess. Based on what standard? Based on your standard. But are we really going to trust our own self-assessment of ourselves when God has something very specific to say about me? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I rather defer to his assessment of me rather than trusting my own assessment of me? And this is what we want to do. Well, they're, they, 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 they. Let me ask you a question. Have people ever had to deal with you in grace? Okay, I'll be honest. Sometimes I can get frustrated with my amazing wife. I know, it's horrible. But you know what I remember? I try to remember all the time she's dealt with me in grace. I try to remember all the time she's put on some boots of grace and picked up a shovel in my life and just loved me. I want to deal with her in the same kind of grace. You say, man, this, this, these people, it just, this hurt. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. But maybe deal with people the way you have been dealt with and the way you want to be dealt with. Last question. Do you fail to work at improving yourself so you can make less mess? 
Look, there's an obligation that we all have to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And none of us will ever be perfect, but we sure ought to be striving to be as much like Jesus as we can. Just because we're not perfect doesn't mean we should lower the standard. Come on. Just because we're not perfect doesn't mean we, shouldn't lower, we should lower the standard. You keep striving to be like him in every possible way. And, and sometimes this is what we do. We settle for, we just settle for making a mess. Well, babe, I'm just an ox. You don't have to make a mess all the time. No, I understand the illustration isn't perfect, but you don't have to make a mess all the time. You could become more and more like Jesus Christ. Ma'am, you can become more and more like the Savior. Young lady, young man, you can become more like Jesus Christ. So are you willing to become and to work at improving yourself so that you can be more like him? In the end, this is what I say about oxen. The strength is worth the stank. That's what I say about people. The strength is worth the stank. But sometimes we can get distracted. We can view people the wrong way. We can have the wrong expectation. And we can have an inconsistent view of people that we do not have of ourselves. And so this morning, you benefit from some oxen in your life. But you also might be struggling with the mess. You might not be valuing people the way that you need to. If God has dealt with your heart about this, I hope you'll respond to him. Maybe the response is this, God, thank you for the people you've placed in my life. Maybe the response is this, God, I need to get on some boots of grace. I need to pick up a shovel and I need to be a help to this person. Maybe the response is this, I need to humble myself and start trying to not make so much of a mess. I don't know what the response should be, but if God has spoken to your heart, be responsive to him. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The strength is worth the stank. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Miss Rebecca is going to begin playing in just a moment. And as she does, I hope that you'll be responsive to the Lord. Father, thank you for the time. Thank you for your truth. God, if you've, you've no doubt you have placed people in our lives that are, that are so helpful, and yet they're not perfect. And we can get so distracted with the mess that we forget the value that they're bringing to our lives. So, Father, would you help us to value the strength of those you've placed in us, placed with us, placed for us, and help us to strive to be the strength that you would have us to be. Thank you, Father, for people and for your work through them. In Jesus' name, amen. While Brother Nate begins to sing, some are already here praying. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him. i
right, you can direct your attention this way. It's great to be with you this morning. For everyone that's watching online, thanks so much for tuning in. We sure do appreciate it. And for all of you that are here, it's great to have you with us. For our guests, it's an honor to have you with us. We sure do appreciate you being in our services this morning. And uh, looking forward to our services tonight at 5. Uh, please don't forget the, uh, the announcement by Brother Max. We want to we inundate Brother Kerry Nance uh, with uh, cards just telling him that we're praying for him and that we're excited about him coming. That would be a great help. The, the address was in the Wednesday night prayer sheet, and we'll make sure that it's on this upcoming Wednesday and get an email out about it. But just want to encourage you to, e- to mail him a card just so that he knows we're anticipating that and looking forward to it. You can get that information from Brother Max out of the service. Brother Nate, why don't you come and lead us in a dismissal song. We'll look forward to seeing you tonight. I know about all of you, but I really appreciated Becca's offertory this morning. So we're going to sing all three verses of hymn number 116, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. 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 No turning back, no turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning We will see you all tonight at 5 p.m.